about them Cowboys? The Dallas Cowboys are on the clock. And Jerry Jones, Jerry, very impressive setup for the virtual draft there as the Cowboys owner, president, and GM is there. Nine playoff appearances in 13 seasons. But the pick is in, and we don't have to guess anymore. Let's find out where they go. With the 17th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma. only thing I've got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Round one of the NFL Draft is coming on for the Cowboys, and man, we definitely didn't see that coming. And neither did Jerry. Welcome in to About Them Cowboys here on The Athletic. Kent Garrison here, producing as always. Here with our expert panel of Cowboys analysts, Father John Mashoda, Saad Youssef, and Kevin KT Turner. Guys, let's get right into this. KT, CD Lamb is a Dallas Cowboy. Feels great to say that, doesn't it? Yeah, no. Uh, I think it's almost like, man, we spent all these months leading up to the draft trying to do mock drafts and trying to get it all together. And then just every scenario that happens, every year we're reminded of, man, this thing's pretty unpredictable <laughs> most of the time. I know the first hour of the draft was maybe a little boring. Maybe everyone had a pretty good feel of how things were going last night. Maybe the only you know crazy shocker was the Giants taking Andrew Thomas, but everyone kind of knew they were going to go offensive tackle. And then we got to the point, at least for me, guys, there was a point – at fourteen and uh, thirteen and fourteen, when the Forty ers made that trade with Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay wanted to get up and make sure that they got Tristan Wirfs, the tackle from Iowa. We were four picks away, so you had the Forty ers the Broncos, and the Falcons, and the Cowboys. And this whole time, the name that I was scared of the Cowboys taking was AJ Terrell. That was a just a lot of smoke around his name, the cornerback from Clemson, and I didn't really want anything to do with that. So I looked at it and I said, okay. I don't know how they feel about Javon Kinlaw. I know how I feel about him. Very good. But who knows about the medicals? There's Caleb on chase on, who was kind of the guy that they were coveting. We, we thought, but then there's Jerry Judy, the wide receiver and there's CD lamb, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. So there's four players there with four picks. So we don't have to mess around with the AJ uh, Terrell or Trevon Diggs or a Christian Fulton or Xavier McKinney. We don't even have to mess with that tonight. We're going to get one of those top 17 guys. And that's without the fourth quarterback going in Jordan Love. And they just kind of count it down, Javon Kinlaw. And then Jerry Judy goes. So I'm sitting there going, okay, it's Chase on or Lamb. Their decision's made for them. It's Chase on or Lamb. And then the Falcons come in and take A.J. Terrell. Okay, now you have the option of Chase on or Lamb. You actually have to make a choice now. And I got to tell you, I did not think they were going to do this. I thought they were going to stick to their need as they've done over the last few years. I was imploring them on uh, I was on the the, the draft show broadcast uh, on the Cowboys website, and I was just imploring them because this is what you do: you take C.D. Lamb. He's a much higher graded player. You have to do it. You have to do it. And I just didn't think in my wildest dreams that they would end up actually doing that. I thought they would go back to kind of maybe the cowboy way and take the position at need, take the edge rusher. I thought they would take Chase on. And I was pleasantly surprised that they went ahead and took C.D. Lamb because he is a game changer. What was – we'll start with you, John, kind of your thoughts on how everything went down and, and your thoughts on the pick in general. Oh, I mean, when they took C.D. Lamb, 
I was Clark Griswold when he tells Eddie, he goes, if I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. That's I was stunned because I agree with everything you just said. I just thought that while he was the best player on their board, we come to find out later on that he was actually the number six player on their board. You, I was like, yeah, of course, but that happens in, in previous drafts too. It's And wide receiver was a need, I mean, with Randall Cobb being gone, but I just, with it being so deep, in this particular draft class, I was like, they'll, they'll take care of that in like the third or fourth round. But to see CD land be there and then to pull the trigger over chase on, uh, was stunning to me. And I think chase on is going to be a good NFL player. I, I mean, man, that Jaguars hall of getting him and CJ Henderson. I think it's going to be fun to see what those guys end up doing. But I think the thing that stood out to me on the conference call after with Mike McCarthy is when he pointed out how, you know, when you add another playmaker like that, it impacts the entire offense in that it opens up other things for other guys. And so, you know, I know a lot of people are thinking, okay, so how is he going to fit in and things like that? Well, you know, you have a new new head coach who's offensive minded and you have obviously some changes on the offense. Like, don't think that it's going to look the exact same as it did last year, even though there are, you know, still Kellen Moore and Dak and, and you know, Zeke and Amari and Michael Gallup. Like just adding a dynamic player like this that can do so many different things. It just uh, it's it's crazy to think what this offense could be. And, and I'm sure we're going to be talking plenty about how, well, you better start doing something about the defense because you're not just going to be able to outscore people every week and, and, and make a good run and, and make the playoffs and make, you know, noise in a, in a playoff run unless they have a defense that's at least adequate. So I know we'll get into all that, but uh, yeah, I just so surprising because of, of just, I just, I just thought for sure that this was going to be a defensive pick. And if Chase on was there, it didn't matter who else was there that they were going to take in, you know, Caleb on. And, and the, the other thing I'll, I'll mention about CD lamb too, is it's just amazing with him, with the, with the ball in his hands, just how he makes guys miss. And man, you see some of those highlights from, so him just torching some of these big 12 secondaries. It's crazy to think if he's, if he does that on Sundays and they have a, a potential, a, a Deandre Hopkins on their hands, man, that that's going to be fun to watch. Saad, your thoughts on kind of how things went down. Well, I think, you know, I, I was pretty heavy on the chase on train. I, I really liked, you know, what he brings and just who he is as a football player. But at the same time, I totally understand the draft pick from the Cowboys standpoint. I'm actually happy with the way they did that because a lot of what a lot of my complaints with the Cowboys for an office in general is is just their lack of conviction sometimes in their own process and their own uh, in their own scouting what it seems like because they'll like they'll scout this guy he'll be high on their board and then all of a sudden they won't take him and so um, you know I, I've always said like. I, some people would, would say that, you know, they'd be upset if the Cowboys traded up to go get a guy. And I was always on the on the side of, look, if, if that means that you feel that good about your guy, then you got to go get him, like, no matter what. And so the fact that they didn't even have to trade up and he just fell into their lap, you know, I, I said this before, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to like this pick. And, and you know, there's m- more than more than just the three, but I think more than anything look it feels a need as john said there was a need left by randall cobb and if you want to predate that you know cole beasley and all that stuff but then also amari cooper has proven as as good of a route runner and and as good of a player he is he's proven that you know he tends to get hurt and you know whether it's him missing games like the jets game last year or maybe he was hurt down the stretch and that's why his production fell off in the 
in the latter in the latter parts of the season whatever it is you need someone that can adequately step up and uh and in both of those cases which is you know whether cd lamb is the number three wide receiver with the void that's left or if he bumps up and has to become a number one slash number two with gallup because cooper gets hurt either way um you know it's going to be important for them to have that weapon to go score 40 when the defense allows 39 and look it's a it's to take a generic cliche it is a passing league and you need to start building for it this is a team that's kind of drafted like it the the league is a running league and i don't mean that in a way to like take a shot at it or anything but you kind of look at what they've done building the offensive line taking zeke at number four uh, a lot of their their selections, you know, I know they drafted some corners and things like that, but they've had a lot of inside interior defender type selections uh, or defensive linemen that they've tried to take some shots on over the last few years. And you look, you draft every position when it all comes down to it. But this is where my issue with last night, my, my concern was that they were going to go well, the depth of the draft at wide receiver, we, we can get one of those. We really have to to approach the defense. Hey, I agree. And look, we can talk about the defense on our next podcast because they're going to draft some defense, uh, some defensive players uh, in round two and three and, and on day three. They're going to attack the defense. To me, though, I have a hard time just going, well, the depth of the draft is so good. Well, the depth of the draft is not so good that you walk away from C.D. Lamb. You know, you sit there and you draft C.D. Lamb every time. Uh, Jerry, as you mentioned last night, was the number six player on their board. You know, one thing that I would say is, like, <laughs> I, I, I was running this conversation with was talking to Dane Brugler uh, and then Dave Hellman last night, and we were all just kind of bouncing around the ideas of, like, hey, what do you do here? And if it's Chase on and that's the guy they like, and we, we were all just kind of thinking the mindset of they're probably going to take Chase on just because they haven't shown that, like, it just didn't feel like they would go offense, but it just never felt like C.D. Lamb would be there for them. And this team, to me, needs two wide receivers in this draft, and I can't make the argument enough. Now Cedric Wilson is not your third wide receiver anymore. That is such a plus. This thing has changed big time because of C.D. Lamb. And I didn't think they'd get someone at 17 that would change things big time, but this guy does it. And, I mean, dude, you could talk about what he's, who he's compared to, and, and you could talk about – you know, his college production. But, man, I, I just can't stop thinking about, let's get this contract done with Dak. Let's stop messing around with that. You know, try to get that thing done, uh, you know, by the time we get back to normal and if there is a training camp and all that stuff. Because this team with their offensive weapons is now primed to blow out what they did last year when they were, you know, top five offense in the league. They're primed to blow that out of the water. This The potential here is endless. And you add in a little more of aggressive head coach in Mike McCarthy. I just feel like we're talking about a team here that's very, very dangerous. Compare what they did to what the Eagles did last night, and you sit here and go, holy cow, did we just win the division last night? Because that's a really exciting pick, man. Am I going too far, guys? No, not at all. Um, yeah, I'm, like I said, I mean, I'm still surprised. Uh, we're not even 24 hours removed, and it, I, I'm still really still stunned about it. I, w- I will say this, though. If let's say he had gone to. I don't think he would have went to the Falcons, but let's say a team trades up, you know, and takes C.D. Lamb at, at, at 16, and the Cowboys are left with Caleb on Chase on at 17. Like, I think most people are still, you know, pretty happy about that pick. Would you guys agree? Yes. Yes. 
And and, and so that's why what, I'm saying like they were. John, such what a if great... it had been um, Chase on had been taken by the Falcons there, and you're left with Terrell? You oh. think they may might have gone there, KT? You heard a lot Word about. Was, Wait, but you're saying you're saying over CD Lamb though. Uh, or if that just Terrell was the best player there. If Terrell was the best player on their board, I don't know where they had them. It's, it's slotted. Yeah. Okay. So if you're giving me that scenario and there's no CD Lamb, mm-hmm. then I think there's a decent chance they take Terrell there. But hey, I mean Jerry said it for the draft. They had three different offers on the board to move back, and they had they were in talks about potentially doing that. But as CD Lamb kept falling, you know their their talks kind of died down because mm-hmm. they were like, well, we're not moving out of there if this is here. So. If you take him off the board, you take Chasen off the board. Um, I think Terrell's the pick if they stay at seventeen. But I even think, but I only put that at fifty fifty that they even stay at seventeen. I think they possibly would have moved back because while while they like Terrell, I don't know that they just liked him so much more than some of the other options that you could have received on top of also receiving some other picks. Yeah, yeah, what? and and also real quick, KT, uh, you know, to answer your question, if you're going if you're too excited i don't think so at all because um one thing that you know we we all i i think have have some time to get used to is that this is no longer a jason garrett regime and you know a lot of times in the past we've seen them acquire players whether you know to a much lesser degree than cd lamb but i'm talking about guys like Tavon austin or tony pollard and and you know those Mm -hmm. kind of weapons and we're like okay how are you going to fit them in how are you going to utilize them because you don't have a history of doing that well that's gone now like that you know there are teams in the past whether you look at you know and look I'm not saying this is I'm not predicting like you know they're going to set some scoring title record or anything like that but my point is is like you know whether you look at those Broncos teams or those Patriots teams and things like that it is very possible to have a plethora of weapons and and get the best out of all of them if you have the right coaching in place and that's all changed this offseason this is no longer the Jason Garrett era and so you know there is a chance that everything does kind of you know shift to a way where all these different weapons and I'm talking about not just the three receivers but then you throw in Zeke who by the way is still the focal point as far as the money and all that goes Blake Jarwin just signed a big deal. Tony Pollard is still there. That's six weapons, and I feel confident that they'll be able to mix all of them in to some degree. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I was, I was thinking about, too, I, I can say this. I know I cover the Cowboys as a Packer fan, too, and they have fell to every year add skill position players. And think about what they did last night, not helping Aaron Rodgers out, looking at the future, and I was sitting there going, man, Cowboys fans are pretty lucky. They, they at least have a team that's willing to go draft skill position players to put around their team. I mean, uh, the Packers haven't – I mean, they went 15 years without drafting a skill position player, and it was just another quarterback again. So, I mean, like that CD Lamp pick was huge, and I was it was fun to kind of rub it in Philadelphia's face a little bit as well. Let's see what uh, Stephen Jones had to say about the selection. You know, we went through a lot of mock drafts, and uh, I can tell you he wasn't a part of uh, – a part of any of them just because we <laughs> felt like, you know, he was a top 10 player in this draft and we'd never see him. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, always a challenge not to feel a little stress on what you need. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we got really good, smart people in the room and they were, uh, you know, uh, you know, very convincing. And uh, I think, you know, Jerry heard everybody out and, uh, you know, the right thing to do is always pick the best football player. And that's what we did today. 
Absolutely. That, that's, no, no brainer, that seems right? like a change of philosophy. I mean, the and right they, thing to do is to pick the best football player because they haven't done that consistently over the, the past few years is what I, you know, um, yeah. they have, you know, they, they said even last year that Connor McGovern was um, above where Tristan Hill was on their board and they took Tristan Hill because they needed that player, you know, I ended up getting McGovern. So it ended up working out, but it, uh, you know, to Saad's point, it does seem like a change of philosophy is starting to take shape here under the Mike McCarthy. Let me throw in one. Well, let me throw in one thing real quick here too. I wonder if drafting the way they are this year because of the coronavirus, not being able to be uh, around each other, having to, be in, in separate areas. I wonder if maybe the organization of that and maybe just the preparation of knowing, hey, like if this happens, we have to do this. We can, we're not going to have as much room for discussion. Like if this happens, we do this and, and just really focused in on potential scenarios. Not to say they haven't done that before, but maybe more so in this case. And again, we're only through one round. I mean, who knows what happens for the rest <laughs> of this draft. But um, and, and the heck, there's a lot of people are probably thinking, man, that was an easy pick for them. Who wouldn't have uh, passed on that? But I wonder what the impact of that is. And I can't wait to, you know, kind of see as this draft goes on, if does that make things more streamlined? Would it make it more organized instead of having, you know, because the Cowboys are one of those teams. I mean, you guys see it in, the, in those draft cams. They have a ton of people in that room and that's not every NFL team is like that. There's definitely NFL teams that they'll just be really the head coach, the GM and like the owner and and the scouts and the other coaches are in other rooms. And then they kind of call them in from, you know, time to time and things like that. But like, I don't know, maybe this maybe this play it was in play, too. And, and it helped out a little bit that, you know, everyone was in different areas and they had to be you know, kind of on the screws because there wasn't, there wasn't an opportunity to, to, to mess this up because, you know, they were, they prepped for everything. The reason why I thought of that is, like I said, because Jerry said there were three different trade offers on the table. So you put that in the mix uh, on top of, you know, a defensive coach saying, Hey, we really need Caleb on chase on. And then some offensive coaches arguing, it doesn't matter. He's not on the same level as this guy. And they're going back and forth. And then someone else is talking about a trade in that, you know, maybe, maybe they're, you know, maybe they deserve credit for just being really organized in this process. I do like your theory about kind of eliminate the number of people and then maybe things that I, I would I would equate it to, you know, maybe if I don't have the Oreos in the cabinet, then maybe I won't feel like I need to go eat them. <laughs> it, you know, yeah, it's like so I can true. focus in on the diet here. All you have you know? to go by is your board at that point. You know, yeah, it's like that's your main that's what you trust. Instead of listening to ex scout in the in the room, it's like you've got your board and. That's pretty much all we got. Let's draft this thing. You know, it's like a, it's like doing a fantasy draft or something. <laughs> now, uh, do you want to talk about kind of what's left over? Because we do need to transition to. Oh, yeah. No, let's let's see what Jerry. Let's hear, yeah, too. Jerry, yeah. Jerry on his yacht, by the way, which I thought was a <laughs> an incredible flex to have broadband Internet on a yacht. But here we go. Uh, this method of preparing for this draft and evaluating <laughs> these players, there's going to be a lot we've learned from doing it. Uh, with under these types of circumstances that I think will carry over for the long haul in evaluating and making decisions with players. Uh, having said that, this is a classic uh, case. Uh, we had him as our sixth pick on the board. We uh, had known from a lot of discussions with Mike that he really thought with this uh, uh, draft class of receivers that we ought to come out of here with an outstanding player uh, that we could use certainly as our second receiver uh, in, the, in the wire outside 
and but had a lot of flexibility going uh, at all positions. We never thought one that of Lamb's caliber would be there. And, uh, uh, of course, we uh, had been going over with our rehearsals. We had been going over Chisan and his uh, availability. Uh, we had looked at corners. Uh, we had looked at this, uh, uh, other positions that uh, were uh, maybe more uh, uh, that we probably uh, do need to pay attention to. But we've got a lot of draft left. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Lamb made the decision. He he was good enough uh, to uh, take our pick above other guys we could have picked and and felt very good about. Just one quick thing there, <laughs> when uh, talk, talking about we looked at Chasson. I love that he says Chasson. Uh, we looked at corner. We looked at sit other positions of need, you know, like he was going to say safety, but didn't, <laughs> it was like that, that Tommy boy scene where he's like, you can put six packs of b- soda in here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like he, he's clearly saying, okay, we're going to get a safety in this. I mean, he's just basically showing his hand to the, to the other teams. Like if they want a safety, they're going to have to jump the Cowboys. If there's one on the board. Hey, well, if we're, we're singing with jokes, let me just tell you, when during that 38, 40 minutes, whatever it was during that conference call, all I kept thinking about is what if one of the backdrops fell and Jerry and Steven and Mike McCarthy were all actually in the same room. God, the that'd be incredible. Falls, and it's like, it's like this big mistake. Like somebody accidentally walks in on, oh, wait, we're not, we're not supposed to be all in the same room. And, and then like it fall, another thing falls down and it's like all the scouts are there. And I don't know, Jerry said after, after the draft uh, last night that, um, that like there was going to be significant fines if they found out that people were drafting, you know, multiple members of organizations. Or he said that you could potentially lose draft picks if there was any way that, to prove that you were at the facility that day. Like they weren't even allowed to go near the facility. Like I live close to the facility, so I went up there um, yesterday, a few hours before the draft. And I mean, it was just a ghost town. I mean, there are no cars in the parking lot, anything like that. So um, not that I was really looking for, for Jerry Jones or anybody like that, but. Uh, it was interesting that he mentioned that they had, that you know they had, the NFL had talked about like taking picks away from teams and the penalties were going to be really harsh if they didn't. But man, one of those backdrops would have fell and it turned out they were all in the same room. Yeah, it would hurt their their drafting. They probably would lose some picks, but man, that would have been hilarious. You know, another thing too that's kind of interesting is that everything that happened last night watching the draft, I was expecting a lot of failures. I actually thought the draft was handled pretty well. Like I kind of. I don't know. We'll see how day two and day three go, but I almost kind of prefer it. It's kind of fun to go see the inside of all these guys' houses. Oh, there's Cliff Kingsbury's house. Oh, what a sweet house. And then uh, here's what Belichick's just kind of got a normal table. It was real fun to kind of look in and see like Jerry on brand, you know, on the yacht. Perfect. You know, I, I thought it was actually kind of fun the way it was done last night. Yeah. I like the way it was done, but also Goodell, like his setup and, uh, and I, you know, whatever basement he was in, or whatever, and I also really got a kick out of just like you know the the draft card that he was th- that he had, and he would look at the draft card like sixty times you know, while announcing a pick, like as if you know he he really needed to uh, read the script or whatever. And it was it was it was entertaining just to see all that. Uh, let's get the clip from Mike McCarthy as well, Kent. I think it's important, uh, and this this is a great example of it, is to just stay true to the board. I, I think the staff has done an incredible job putting this board together and just you know having a discipline to keep 
drafting the best player. So, and and with that, as far as the focus on defense versus offense, um, we'll just we'll we'll just let that work itself out. And we all understand the uh, the positions that we want to hit. But I, I think the board's going to, uh, you know, I, I feel really good. The board's going to lay out nicely for us. When you know that that begs the question, KT, of what does their board look like? You know, um, you would think it would be pretty mid heavy on receivers, you know, and yeah. And, you know, if they did want to get a quality player at either edge rusher or, or cornerback, then they would need to do it there because their board would probably dictate that you can't really get the same quality later in this draft as you could as a receiver. And that's just kind of where they've gotten into trouble though, over the last few years by road mapping it out so far, and on whatever sliding scale you have, weighing the roadmap more than just weighing what's on your board and taking the best player. And you can get in trouble. It's okay to roadmap it a little bit, but how much consideration you put into that pick can't override what's on the board. And, you know, CD Lamb falls to you at 17. That's a no-brainer. I'm interested to what their thoughts would have been if it was, let's say, Denver takes CD Lamb at 15. You know, would they have taken Jerry Judy there? I don't know. I'd be interested to find out. That'd be fun, a fun topic. But let's try to figure out their top five. So it's probably Burrow, Chase Young, probably Okuda, right? Probably Simmons, Sim- and then probably I would say Derek Brown would be most likely. Yeah, would be my Maybe guess. None of those tackles, offensive tackles. Maybe one of the tackles. Yeah, yeah. I I would imagine that C.D. Lamb was their number one receiver on their board. It feels like a Randy Moss situation, and you know, in a, in a way, it's was. like you can't, you just can't pass up on a talent like this that only comes around ever so often. And Jerry learned his lesson the hard way, of course, but that's what it felt like. Jerry said it best: C.D. Lamb made the pick last night. Yeah, my my analogy last night was: it's not every day that you take your dog out for a walk and you find a twenty dollar bill, and that's what this was. Like this doesn't happen every year, you know. The guy you want. Or not, not necessarily even the guy you want. Someone you doesn't expect falls into your lap. It doesn't happen every year. Um, and it, it just happened to happen last night for a myriad of reasons. One reason, hey, I mean, look, if you want to thank uh, Tampa Bay for getting Tom Brady, making them want to go get an offensive tackle and move up, you know, it's it's the difference in one or two picks, you know, that kind of allowed this to happen. But, yeah, Atlanta the whole time kind of had their eyes set on A.J. Terrell, and that's what kind of – up the intrigue a little bit was that Chase on and Lamb were on the board. The guy they wanted versus the guy you can't turn down. It's almost yeah. I don't. Well, I had an analogy, but I don't want to go too far. I think it would derail things. So I don't want to do that. Um, hey, real quick, let me just throw in a scenario that if both of those players went would have went right before the Cowboys went on the clock, and let's say they ended up with AJ Terrell. Oh my God, the people bringing back up that that Week Seventeen win last year. And how that, you know, winning that meaningless game against Washington, which secured Washington and getting Chase Young. And then on top of it, it moves you back a few spots where, you know, if they if they had lost that meaningless game, because obviously, you know, the Eagles had already won and the division was wrapped up, you know, they could have been drafted in the top 15, would have definitely got one of those guys. But now CeeDee Lamb yeah, falls to you. Number 13. Yeah, everyone's everyone's happy now. So it works out. But man, there would have been <laughs> that would have been bringing up that Washington game if they would have got Terrell. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let me try this analogy, and then we'll move on. I'm just gonna try it. Just gonna try it. It's almost like so. Maybe you've you've uh, had a crush on this person, and we'll make sure that we make this you know gender fluid here. 
you uh, have a crush on a person and uh but they're dating someone but all of a sudden they're available and you were kind of surprised that they're available but at the last minute some hollywood celebrity shows up and she's even available for you as well or he <laughs> it just ended up like i get i i mean i like you but how can i turn down jessica alba like how I can't. That's a throwback, KT. Just Galba. I, I was trying to say, you know, the the one last oh, night. Oh, man, I don't know. That's still tough it's because you you might want to go with a little bit safer pick because then you also got to <laughs> worry about are you really going to be able to keep Jessica Alba? Like how oh, long are you going to, you know, I mean, Pete Davidson thought that him and Ariana Grande were going to last forever, you know, and that was clearly his dream girl. Like, I don't know, man, when you when you get in that Hollywood level, though, you got, you're dealing with a lot of competition there. You might want to take the safe pick. And go with your girl that you know. <laughs> I'm just saying. You might want to think this one I th- over. I think this is what KT was talking about, going off the track too much, right? I mean... See, I told you guys it was a risky analogy. You want to stick to the you Oreos want, and we're you want a lifetime. You want a lifetime or a full career in the NFL with somebody that you really like and you know is going to be there for you? Or do you want to take the possibility that Jess Galb is going to leave you in a month? You just want to get to that second contract. <laughs> okay, wait, but, real quick, KT. I'm going to bring this uh, back on track for for a quick second before we move on to to the uh, today stuff and, and everything like that. I know this is way ahead of the uh, ahead of the curve right now because we've still got two more years. But you know, when you look at just like the contract you gave Cooper, the contract that you're going to have, you're going to give Dak, and then when Gallup in 2022 comes comes up and if he if he's still you know producing the way he did last year for the next two years I mean your window is the next two years anyways to win a Super Bowl you're in a win now situation but also like you know it took Gallup a couple years to to really or it took him at least a year to hit his stride it like you know at that point you feel a lot less mandated to you know throw big money at Gallup if you do have CeeDee Lamb kind of there to to take over, right? And and that's a guy, CD Lamb, that you'll have a fifth year option on as well. If CD Lamb ends that. up Yeah, if CD Lamb ends up, you know, meeting expectations, people are gonna not even worry about resigning Michael Gallup. Right. It's kinda of what we've been talking about. At some point you can't pay every single person that's up, and that's why Byron's not here. And that's why Robert Quinn's not here. And it's just the beginning of that and it's just gonna continue to be that way. And that's how it is for every team that has really good players especially after they sign their quarterback. So, you know, maybe Gallup in the end, if he wanted to be a Cowboy his whole life, maybe he's the the loser through all of this. But still a lot can happen. And technically after three years, you can get out of that Amari Cooper contract at, at a reasonable rate if it happened to, to be a burden on you. The idea is that it's not, but potentially it is. Um, and I also want to say this, just an observation. You know, we're talking about kind of seeing inside people's houses and stuff. Apparently, Caleb on Chason was dying to be a Dallas Cowboy. He was dead set about being a Dallas Cowboy. And I don't know if y'all saw him when he got picked at 20 by Jacksonville. I don't know if y'all saw the inside of his house. That was the most somber first-round selection I've ever seen. He did not look like a guy whose spirits were high about having to go to Jacksonville. Did Did Tua's family look real happy about him going to Miami? They didn't have a lot going on there. That was a strange thing, too. So I mean, another observation from last night, a lot of people like live in log cabins, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of wood. There was so much wood last <laughs> night. <laughs> also, also about last night, C.D. Lamb, I mean, the phone, uh, I, <laughs> that was 
Now, I mean, I know he came on on Twitter and said it wasn't really like that, but I, it sure looked like that. I don't know. He's Dude, getting some text, text from some side pieces. Like, congrats. <laughs> she in Dallas. <laughs> it wasn't just her. It was his mom in the picture, either a, an older sister or an aunt. Because they were looking over too, kind of giving the side eye through all of that. If you zoom in on those pictures, but I think that's where you got a good look at some of CD Lamb's traits: good awareness, good instincts, quickness right there to recover the phone. I mean, there's a reason the guy's a first rounder. He was able to yeah. get that phone back really quick. Also, CD is going to wear number ten for the Cowboys. So, you know, recently mm-hmm. we've seen Tavon Austin and Ryan Switzer wear that number. And uh, maybe we'll get some production out of the number 10 finally because it's such a great number <laughs> to wear. Jerry's trying to give him number 88. Is he? Yeah. yeah Jerry he said that he had a <laughs> – did you see this, John? Yeah, he said it on the conference call. <laughs> so he had a friend oh, man. at Arkansas who wore number 88 who just died recently. or, or And he, he thought it would be a great tribute for C.D. Lamb to wear number 88. Because of an Arkansas friend and not because of... But, well, he added that in there after that. Okay. And also would follow in the tradition of top receivers like Michael Irvin, Des Bryant, Drew Pearson were in 88. Antonio That's Bryant. putting the expectation way too high on him, though, immediately. I mean, oh, honestly. Man. Well, hold up, yeah, hold I mean, up, Des hold Bryant up. I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go down this when path. You drafted him. Yeah, but I don't. I don't want to go... I don't think we need to go too far down to this, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not really not trying to do this on purpose, but CeeDee Lamb coming out of... Oklahoma this year is a better prospect than Des Bryant coming out of Oklahoma State. I, I, oh yeah, and how much of that has to, to do with uh, with C.D. Lamb playing with three Heisman caliber quarterbacks too at the same time? I mean, I'm not saying he's not sure, and he, he might not he have Des Bryant's career, but I'm just saying that there were they gave it to Des Bryant right out of college too, and yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee. That's a lot of pressure on a guy too, but. So, well, I like know. I said, uh, Des Bryant was your number one guy. When you drafted Des, he was the immediate go-to guy. He was the 88. Now, How do you know that CeeDee Lamb won't be that for them? I mean, eventually, I think I think don't think the plan is for him to be your number one guy. Immediately. I feel like the way—yeah, I, I, no, I, I'm not saying it is either, but yeah. the way the offenses are changing in the NFL, and, and I think it's going to be pretty college-friendly going forward— I think he could make an immediate impact where he could be their leading receiver this his first year. I think so too. I think he has that potential. Uh, maybe he switches to eighty eight next year after he is the guy. <laughs> uh, so let's look at the board real quick. Uh, these are just names I'm going to lob out there, guys. You are still on the board, and I won't mention any of the wide receivers because there's no reason to do that now. Uh, AJ Epinesa, edge rusher from Iowa. I think he'll go pretty quickly today, but. You know, one thing I will throw out there, by the Cowboys pick at pick 51 and they pick at pick 82. And the compensation to kind of do the DeMarcus Lawrence type trade to get up to the top of the second round would be, you know, giving up both of those picks. 51 and 82 could get you up towards the top of the second round. So if they wanted to be players at the high end in round two tonight, it would cost you your third. So there's A.J. Epinesa, Christian Fulton, cornerback of LSU, uh, but Trevon Diggs is available as well, the cornerback from Alabama, and I, I I feel like they have Diggs graded higher than Fulton. Uh, Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Utah, he's got some shoulder questions. A lot of offensive tackles, but I don't think we need to mention them. Um, Antoine Woodfield, safety. Grant Delpit, safety. Xavier McKinney, safety. Uh, all available. Yeter Grossmatos, the edge rusher. Um 
You know, I I, I want to throw out you know names like Cameron Dantzler as a cornerback, Jeremy Chin the safety, defensive lineman Marlon Davidson, uh, Jordan Elliott, Neville Gallimore, Ross Blacklock, Justin Matabike. Look, the point is there's a lot of players. Curtis Weaver's the edge rusher from Boise State. There's a lot of good players, and we've talked about a lot of this in our buildup. And there's still room for teams to come in and take some running backs and take some wide receivers as well to take some positions you might not want. So I, I think you could sit there at 51 and get a, I don't know, I don't want to say starting impact player because that just kind of depends on the situation, but uh, an impact player that you feel good about for the future at 51, I, I'm pretty comfortable they can score something uh, in the second round. So I pulled out a piece of paper here while you were saying that and wrote down, I came up with six names. If they were able to get one of these six out of the players you named, I think that they would have to be thrilled. And that's Trayvon Diggs, Xavier McKinney, Yeter Gross Matos, Zach Braun, AJ Epinesa, or Grant Delpit. I think Delpit would be the most likely to fall that far. And But I could, I don't think, I mean, I, I think there's a decent chance all six of these guys are gone. But I think if they got one of those six, they'd be pretty happy. Yeah. We saw this with safety last year. I'm sorry, go ahead, Sod. Well, I was just going to say, uh, Dane Brugler put out his, uh, put out his Friday mock draft like an hour ago on the athletic. Um, so you can check that out on the website. And the guy he has going to the Cowboys at 51 is Trayvon Diggs. And at number 50 is Curtis Weaver. Right before that is Zach Bond. And right before that is Jalen Johnson. Right before that is Marlon Davidson. So a lot of these guys that you just named off KT, he has those, all those guys, Antoine Winfield is like two picks before that. Xavier McKinney is right before that. And so, you know, it's going to be an interesting cluster from 43 to 51, um, you know, because a lot of those guys that you just named are the guys that he has in those area. And he has Trayvon Diggs ending up uh, going to the Cowboys at 51. But then at 53 is Grant Delpit. So Delpit is there as well. Um, it's just going to be a very interesting situation as to, you know, who goes where. And, and I agree with you. It all depends on what position you get as far as the impact because Curtis Weaver he's not no matter what edge rusher you get he's not going to be the uh the alpha on that on that defensive line because Demarcus Lawrence is there but if you get Trayvon Diggs in the corner there's there's a chance that Trayvon Diggs can end up being your number one corner at least as in terms of how good he is because the the position is so thin so um just an interesting thing to see yeah, a lot of names, and I think that's another reason. Again, we've talked about asset allocation on this team and, and watching the salary cap. Getting some minimum wage players is going to be important for them, young minimum wage players. So, you know, to me, I don't have a ton of interest in getting excited and going up to the top of the second round uh, and, and making a trade. Uh, but, you know, maybe you get down there a little closer and it, it, the compensation is less than a third rounder. If the compensation turns into one of your fifth-round picks – you know, then then maybe that's where I would kind of consider. And let me actually, I think that could get you up um, a, a few spots. You know, at least uh, if you needed to jump and get ahead of someone because you, you're in love with someone on your board. Um, I'm thinking like the Cowboys' fifth-round pick. Uh, they have two of them, but their first one is um, – sorry, guys, I'm doing this on the fly here. Remember they have two picks in the fifth round? Yeah, 164. There it is. If you added that right there, that could probably get you into the range of, you know, 46. You know, maybe you could jump up four, five, four, three spots, 
you know, if by lumping in one of your fifth round picks, if you wanted to do that, if you wanted to get a Lancey. So, um, but I, I do think that they'll find something they like there. I, I like, you know, last year, all those safeties, just Taylor Rapp. And you remember Juan Thornhill was on the board and Nasir Adderley. Same thing could happen tonight. Safety's just falling and falling and falling. And uh, I've always thought that the most fun part of the draft is night two. I know that uh, sounds crazy, but like night one, there is a lot of knowns in the first, you know, 10 picks. I really think night two is a lot of fun because uh, there's a little bit more movement. And there's also that whole game where you got a few guys that you like, and John will just use that list of guys that you named out. You get some guys that you like, and then you start marking out names and, Oh, can he make it here? And then you get to 42 and then you get to pick 47 and then you're going, okay, we got a couple names left. You know, it, it becomes kind of fun and, and kind of tense to watch live. So uh, looking forward to see what they do tonight. Uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts? I would like to hear those if you have them. <laughs> I do. Uh, I was going to say that, you know, watching CD lamb is going to be interesting over these next few years, because at least for me, I'm going to think back to, uh, the, if he ends up being the player that I think he's going to be and becoming one of the better receivers in the league over the next few years, uh, I'm just going to think back to how he could have potentially ended up with the Eagles and how that could have really been a thorn in the Cowboys' <laughs> side looking at a draft where they could potentially be, you know, have one rival get Chase Young and the other one get C.D. Lamb and have to deal with them for the foreseeable future because, you know, I think the Eagles would have potentially moved up if C.D. Lamb was still there after the Cowboys. Because Jerry mentioned an inter- interesting thing last night, and that's that he he doesn't have any way of proving this because nobody would really know for sure, but he believes that C.D. Lamb fell to them partly because teams that were drafting behind them you know, kind of took Dallas out of the equation and were like, well, the Cowboys aren't going to take a wide receiver there. They have so many other needs on defense. And so that kind of helped them out where people probably that were looking to trade up because obviously several receivers went right after him. Maybe they uh, kind of wrote the Cowboys off like that because they didn't think that they would take a wide receiver. And so I'm just saying it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out going forward if uh, he ends up being the star player that that I think he can be. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, I, I look, I, I, I said this before, like for me, Chason was my guy, but I, I've definitely come, come, I came around really quickly to the whole CD Lamb idea because, you know, it is also one of those things where um, getting over the fact that Jason Garrett is still not the head coach and knowing that, you know, CD Lamb will be utilized. I'm excited as hell about this pick. Um, and also another thing, uh, KT, just to throw out there b- before we uh, head out, the other guy that uh, Dane Brugler has the Cowboys taking at 82 because he has his mock draft out is Terrell Burgess, the safety out of Utah. And yeah. if we go through the first two days and you have CD Lamb, Trevon Diggs, and Terrell Burgess, I mean that that I, I don't know that you know you could really have a much better uh, first two days than that if you're the Dallas Cowboys. That's a really good haul. I agree with you, and I, I'm not opening up a can of worms as we get close to, to the exit. But no, go ahead, open it up. I, well, I do think the economy of the NFL is going to be compromised a little bit based on COVID nineteen. I think it's going to be real hard for a guy like Jadavion Clowney to go get a five-year, $100 million contract. Hey, Jadavion, one year, $15 million. Uh, we'll guarantee most of it even. Come play defensive end for the Dallas Cowboys next year. How you feeling? That, to me, is how you address the defensive end situation because I am nervous. Alden Smith, to me, a lot of people are just throwing his name out there like he's on the team. Like, dude, he's going to have to go compete to be on the team, and he's closer to 300 pounds now than he is 
edge rusher weight, if we're being honest. Tyrone Crawford's hip, a lot going on there. Randy Gregory, always a lot going on there. They have to get some defensive end help. I'd give up. I'd give Mr. Clowney a call on a one-year deal, reset your value, and then sign a long-term deal when maybe the uh, economy of the league might go have a little uptick next year. We'll, you know, based on whatever happens this year, it'd no, be hard for him to get the money he wants this year. Yeah, that's a great point. And every day that goes by that he doesn't sign with the team, whoever he signs with, whether it's Seattle or whoever, if it's Dallas, um, it does make sense to sign a one-year deal, a, a prove-it type deal, kind of almost like the way Robert Quinn went into last year. Obviously, that paid off big for him in free agency this year. And so, yeah, that that's a possibility. Um, but I'll say this, if, if they come out of this draft and they don't really address pass rusher, uh, I feel pretty strongly that there'll be a move made, whether you know somehow via a trade or signing somebody in free agency that that's still out there. Um, I don't see them going into the 2020 season uh, depending on Randy Gregory and Alden Smith to to be starters or or being uh, significant contributors. Uh, th- a move will be made. Uh, I mean, I, I agree, and they know they know what's going on with their death chart at that position. So that's where things I think get. We'll get interesting to see how it it uh, turns out tonight, and then of course Saturday as well. Kent, do you have any closing remarks? And also, what is the schedule for our next episode of About Them Cowboys? Yeah, I'm wondering if they draft a quarterback uh, late in this in this draft. So I'm going to have my eye on that and. If you guys want, man, we can come back tomorrow morning and and talk rounds two and three and kind of look to look to day. I mean, uh, yeah, look to day three and 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 see where we're at. But uh, I anticipate a really exciting day two for the Cowboys here and a lot of positions of need. Don't know which direction they're going to go, but I imagine they're going to come out with a DB at least, maybe a defensive lineman. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, count on them picking another receiver, but if they did. Man, there's a lot of receivers still on the board that can make an impact. So it's going to be exciting either way. Yeah, and, and I think that's uh, – I'm happy you – know, it's up to that. I don't want to force anyone to come on tomorrow morning if they don't want to, but I'm happy to. I'm just going to be at home probably nursing a, a hangover as I just sit down and watch the draft. I don't have broadcasting duties tonight for the first time oh, wow. in a long time on the draft. So I'm just going to sit on the couch and watch the draft like the old days. We'll um, definitely come back tomorrow because I know you're going to have thoughts that you haven't gotten out there in, in the open. You're so right. We'll do that, and then and then we'll come back on Sunday and do a full draft recap, rounds four through seven, and then look back at the entire hall and, and put a bow on this Cowboys draft before next week. So stay tuned to this feed throughout the weekend. Sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Keep following along with The Athletic, tracking – Obviously, the best draft expert in the in the nation, Dane Brugler, as well, just put his uh, mock draft out, as, as Saad mentioned. John's got work up as well, as Saad always does, too. Uh, and Kent Garrison's producing pretty much all the podcast. He does the podcast man around here. For our producer, Kent Garrison. For Saad Youssef. For Father John Mashoda. I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll talk to you tomorrow and see what the Cowboys did in rounds two and three And get you ready for day three. That's the next episode of About Them Cowboys.